Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Happy New Year to you today, ladies. I trust it's going to be a wonderful new year for you. Of course, we don't know what's ahead, do we? None of us do. None of us know what we're going to face, but the wonderful thing is that we know we're going to start this new year with God and know that he is with us all the way through in the good times and in the challenges that we face. Now, I have with me today a very dear friend, Pam Fields, and she and her husband are staying with us at the moment, so we are enjoying their company. Now, I've known Pam for many years. She's actually been reading Above Rubies for 22 years, isn't it, Pam? 22 years. Yes, here she is. Say hi. Hello, everybody. (laughs) I'm so excited to be in Nancy's living room and get this opportunity to enjoy their company first off. It's amazing. Yes. So this is where we are. We're just in our living room and uh, we've only got one mic. So we're just sitting close together here between one mic. Um, Now, Pam has, goodness, how many? Eight? Nine. Nine. Yes, I can't keep up with them all. Nine children. And uh, I have got to know them over the years because Pam has also been to about 16 Above Rubies retreats. I wonder if you've been to an Above Rubies retreat yet. And then she began to organize the retreats herself in her state of Oregon. So at the Oregon retreats, when I flew out to Oregon from Tennessee, I could never get home on a Sunday evening. I'd have to wait till Monday morning. So I had the privilege of staying with Pam and her husband, Andrew, and all their wonderful children. So I have watched them grow from little ones to Big ones, and they are amazing children. Now, I've got to tell you their names because I love names. Uh, I just love different names, and I think it's so wonderful to hear the names that people choose for their children. So their oldest is Caleb. He's mm-hmm. nearly 23, isn't yes, he? Yes, nearly 23. Yes. Then they've got twins. They went and did exactly what we did. We snuck Emma in between oh, no, you Caleb did. and the twins. You <laughs> had Emma. So you had two before you had twins. Yes. Yes. And uh, I had one and then I had twins. And so you would have had... How many under what? It was four under four. Yeah, that's what when, I had. Four under yeah. four but when the twins well, were I born. Well, I had three under 17 months and four under four. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. we're just, we yes, have the same. team. <laughs> well, you know, you look back on those days and for me, they were overwhelming but wonderful. How would you describe yours? It was busy. Yeah. It was busy. And, you know, as long as I didn't plan to go anywhere or set my expectations really high of myself... Mm then it was very doable. You know, I'd pack yes. the van the night, pack the diaper bag the night before, do anything I could do to prepare the night before. And I lived by lists. I'd, I'd think of something I need to do and I'd go write it down on a list. And then uh, when I got a moment, when everything was quiet, 
I'd just tell myself, go back to the list, do what's next, because I couldn't, maybe when I had a moment of quiet, I couldn't think of what I needed to do. My functioning was, I had a moment, but my functioning was turned off of my brain, so I used my list, and uh, every time I had a moment, all I needed to tell myself was go back to the list, and it will tell me what to do. You were more organized than me. I don't think I had any lists in those days. (laughs) Uh, I just got through those days, Mm -hmm. but they were wonderful days. But she didn't stop at four, and uh, so then they had Ruthie, Sarah, Clarity. Don't you like that name? I love words, names that have meaning. Yeah, yes. everybody needs a little clarity in their life. I know. I yeah. think it's so great and yeah. a beautiful name too. And then Valor, I love that name too. Mm-hmm. And then they have Eli. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, and also uh, Pam has written in Above Ruby. So if you happen to have Above Ruby's number 91, you can look it up. She wrote an article called A Generational Impact and of the generations in actually her husband's family and how it's just grown and it's such a godly family. And that's what God's all about, just building godly generations. But then she wrote another article, which I think was so wonderful, and it was called Prayer Bracelets. Now, you haven't got your prayer bracelets on this morning. I, I put them in my suitcase and I packed them because I didn't want to get flagged in the security on the airport. Oh, I don't think and then I forgot. Those. I forgot oh. to take them out of the Ziploc. I don't. It was my first time to fly in almost 20 years, so I, <laughs> I just wasn't sure. So I do yes. have them with me. I just oh, haven't put them it's on It's the first yet. time I've ever seen you without your prayer I know, bracelet. I know. It's uncommon. Oh, well, Pam got this great idea. You've got to read it. Um, if you've got above Ruby's number seven, no, did I say seven? Ninety three. You yeah, said 93. Yeah, 91 yeah, for the article now, about generations. And this is 93. Uh-huh. 93. Now, I hope you've got one because if you do, treasure it with all your heart because we've got none left. Oh, I think we found about two or three old tattered and torn ones. But this is what happens with above rubies. We have thousands of them lying around as we're sending them out into the nation and and they gradually dwindle until suddenly one day, hey, there's none left of that issue. So if you happen to have that issue, do treasure it. In fact, treasure them all because they run out and there's no more left. But if you don't have Above Ruby's 93. It's a beautiful issue. It's the one with the picture of Arden and Esther's wedding on the front cover. You can go to Above Ruby's website, aboverubies.org, and then go to articles and stories, and then look up under the subject, Prayer in the home, because we've got loads of subjects about uh, all the aspects of family life and home life. And you could just, oh goodness, you could go there and just be blessed for weeks. But anyway, her article is there called Prayer Bracelets, and she'll tell you how to make them. But today, just give us a little, because we've got so many things to talk Mm -hmm. about, just give a little bit of of your vision for your prayer bracelets, because I think they're so wonderful. Well, I'm really um, tangible. I I learn Mm -hmm. things real kinetically, I think, and and I have to have a visual for something. 
And uh, at one of the retreats I was listening to, and you were talking about, I'd have to refresh my memory, about the ephod and the, the names being inscribed. Mm. And uh, you brought up the idea of these names being inscribed to bring them to our memory. Mm. And I was just yes, thinking... because the high priest, he had... Uh, all the names of the children of Israel on the breastplate. And then they were not only listed on the breastplate, each one uh, inscribed in a beautiful gem, but also on the shoulders of the ephod. Mm -hmm. They had six of the names on one side and six Mm -hmm. on the other. Mm -hmm. And uh, the word of God tells us how the high priest took those names into the presence of the Lord. And how powerful it is to take the names of our children into his presence to pray for them. So Mm -hmm. that was the idea, and then you got this practical idea. Well, that was because I thought to myself, you also talked about prayer being such a sustenance for our children and Mm. for for our families and for their future and how powerful Mm. prayer was. And I started to think to myself, I don't pray for my kids all that much. I don't remember. I kind of get busy in my day, and I I completely forget. I could honestly be a week, and then I go, oh, I need to pray for them. And I knew that I needed something tangible in my face Mm. to tell me, go pray for them. So I thought about it for a long time, and, and you also said, you know, if you're relying on other people to pray for your children and to give them that covering... I mean, that's our duty as a parent. And yes, other people can pray for them, but our duty as our parent as a parent is to bring them before the Lord and mm. and to pray for them and in all sorts of ways. So so I thought about it for a long time and my mother in law creates beautiful jewelry. So I asked her, What's a real you know, I know you have an amazing way to make jewelry. How can we d-? and really what we settled down was the most simple thing. We um I went to Walmart and I got a uh, elastic cord. And then I went on to Oriental Trading Company and ordered these alphabetical beads and, uh, and put each one of my children's names with alphabetical beads onto a little elastic cord and, uh, tied it up and put a little glue on it to keep it. I, so in the morning I would start, I, in the morning I start all of my bracelets on my left wrist. And as I go about the day, they're in front of me. And if I'm washing dishes, I notice that uh, here my bracelets are on my left. And the goal is then once I pray for each child, I move the bracelet onto my right. Because with nine, I'd lose track. Mm-hmm. Start at the top and move down and I'd get distracted. Or I'd start at the bottom and go up and I'd get lost somewhere. And the ones in the middle never get prayed for because mm-hmm. I'd get so forgetful. So I would. Um, it really changed my attitude on prayer. Like, even when I was driving, I used to listen to talk shows or listen to the radio. And, uh, but my, my hands are up on my steering wheel. I see my bracelets. And, and I just, it helps me take captive the time and uh, be intentional with my minutes. Sometimes you only have one or two minutes. And, and sometimes if a certain child was on my mind to pray for, they were heading out for something for the day, I would pray for that one and then move it over to the other wrist because my goal by the end of the day was that all bracelets were moved from the left to the right. And if they weren't, I knew I had my work to do before bed. How wonderful. I love it. I love these practical ideas. And our 
God just loves us to be practical. That's why he didn't just say to Moses, now I want you to take the names of the children of Israel into my presence. No, he was so tangible and practical. He he wanted them engraved on, on precious jewels on his breast, over his heart, and then on his shoulders, because it's on the shoulders we take burdens. And how we take the burden of our children into the presence of the Lord. So I know you'll love this idea of Pam's. Go to the website and look up uh, prayer bracelets and you'll see how she does them. They're just simple and it could be a beautiful thing in your life. But also I think it's so important for husbands and wives to pray for their children together. I think that is so powerful because the Bible says uh, that if two of you, if two of you shall agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And I think a lot of couples miss out on this powerful weapon that God gives to marriage because that's what marriage is about dear ladies it's about the strengthening of the family and God puts a man and a woman together to to make it strong for the raising of the children and that's why there's a husband and a wife a father and a mother, they are different roles and both are needed for the children. Mm-hmm. Both mm-hmm. are needed and this is God's plan. Mm-hmm. And also we have this benefit of, wow, when two, when the husband and wife pray together, there is power. Are you concerned about one of your children? Uh, maybe there's some area you're so concerned about, you don't know what to do. Well, The greatest thing you can do is pray, but not just pray on your own. Pray with your husband. But you say, well, you know, my husband's not that interested in prayer. What should I do? Well, just ask. It's amazing what husbands will do if you ask them. You don't tell them because husbands never do what you tell them to do. Well, if they're a real man, like my husband, they will do the opposite. But if you ask them, it's amazing what they'll do because they always want to have the answer to your question. They want to be able to fix every problem. So ask them. Just find a little moment and say, Darling, I, you know how concerned we are about Billy. Oh, do you think we could just find a time in the day just to pray? Pray over all our children. Now, I know you are so busy, but if you tell me the time, we could do it maybe in the morning or maybe the evening, but you decide the time and let's just just bring our children by name before the Lord. When could we do this? Okay, when can we do it? Well, now he's got to give you some kind of an answer. Mm -hmm. So hopefully he'll tell you which is the best time because that is a powerful thing you can do. Well, we said Happy New Year, Happy New Year to you, didn't we? And um, so I, what do you do? Do you make New Year's resolutions? Well, that's something actually I don't do. 
because maybe I did in my younger years, but they never worked. I mean, you can make a great resolution and a few weeks go by and you find you're not even doing it. What about you? Did you ever make them? Maybe when I was a teenager, because that was what I was told you're supposed to do is make a resolution. And then I found it went nowhere. And uh, so, you know, if I make a plan to do something and it goes nowhere, I feel defeated and I'm upset with myself. Mm. But I also, I also realized that I can spend a lot of time spinning my wheels, chasing after new Mm. things. Mm. And it's really more beneficial for my family and my life if I just stay steady with what's in front of me. Mm. I've got a plan and a program. And if I just keep doing that, mm. it's so much more rewarding than just jumping in something new, something new just mm. for the sake of it. it that mm. would throw me off track. I don't have time that, for a new. Yes, <laughs> that is so good, Pam. Uh, and I'd like to encourage all you lovely ladies listening today, don't feel as though, oh, I've got to make my new resolution. No. Do you find any scripture in the Bible where it tells you, you must make your New Year's resolution? No, there is not one scripture at all. But the Bible does say the same word you said. It just reminds us to keep Steady. Mm-hmm. You said that word. And that's how I feel too. I feel, yes, I've just got to keep steady, keep faithful, keep steadfast, keep unmovable. As it says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, uh, where it says, um, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I believe the greatest thing that we can do as we go into the new year, ladies, is to know who we are, to understand who God created us to be as women, as mothers, as wives, and the beautiful role that he has given to us, which is an anointed role, a powerful role. And we need to know it and embrace it. And as we go into the new year, not thinking, oh, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. No, I've got to be who God created me to be. And so I know who I am and I'm going to do it with all my heart. And and I think that is the greatest thing. And just keep steadfast. There's such a powerful thing in keeping steadfast. Uh, I love that scripture. I've always loved that scripture in Psalm 57, verse 7. And it's David speaking. And David confesses. Oh, doesn't he make so many amazing confessions in the psalm? David was always confessing. Ladies, oh, it's so powerful to confess with your mouth. The things you confess, that's what you will work out in your life. And David said, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. He says it twice. And and three times you find that scripture in the Bible. And this morning I looked up the word fixed. What does that mean? We don't use it so much in our language today. My heart is fixed. We would more likely say, well, I'm steadfast or something. But this is the exciting thing, as I've mentioned to you before, is that we read a word in the Bible, but then 
when we go and check out the Hebrew word, we find there's not one word to describe it. They have many, many words to give the fullness of the meaning. So here it is. This is what this word means. To stand fast. To be established. Be steadfast. Be faithful. Be reliable. Be ready. Be determined. That's what it means to be fixed. I know who God created me to be. And no matter what society says... No matter what my mother or mother-in-law says, I know who God has created me to be. I know my purpose. I know that I am here in the home and God has given me children. And God has not given me children to give away to someone else. God gave me these children to pour my life into these children and to bring God into them and to teach them in his ways. That is so powerful. It's generation impacting. It's eternity impacting Mm -hmm. and so be steadfast in it don't let anybody move you you know it's a very powerful thing to be unmovable well I don't mean that in a negative way because we don't want to be those who are unmovable in stubbornness or wanting our own way. No, no, no. And there are some wives who are like this. Wow, I'm my way or the highway. No, we keep soft hearts before the Lord. But being immovable in knowing truth, knowing who I am and knowing my purpose, we're not going to be swayed. Now, that word in the Hebrew is kun, And it's uh, actually used many, many times. And it's used 25 times to refer to the establishment of a dynasty. Isn't that amazing? And that's what we are doing. We are establishing, along with our husbands, a dynasty. It's amazing. Dear lovely ladies, you've got little ones around you. And you think, oh. Well, all I'm doing is just getting through this day, trying to look after these little ones. Oh, no, you're doing far more than that. You are establishing a dynasty because every one of these children, they're going to grow up according to how you have trained them. They're going to marry. They're going to have children. And there's going to be another generation begin and then another generation. And that happens so quickly. I mean, I can't believe it. Now I am up not to the grandmother stage. I'm already now in the great-grandmother stage. And there's going to be so more to come. And I'm establishing with my husband a godly dynasty. It is so powerful. And uh, I, I was thinking perhaps... What could I say? People say, what is your vision? And I I do often say this. I just keep plodding on in in what I know I'm meant to be and what God wants me to do. I just plod on. And, you know, we sometimes think plodding on, that sounds a little boring. But plodding on is a very powerful thing. To plod on, to just keep going. What would you say about that? Well, I was going to pop back up to your fixed, uh, yeah, fixed, fixed yes, and and standing steadfast, and uh, because I'm I, I'm visual, I have to see it. Yes, and and I imagine my little boys at their karate class, and 
they have this stance that keeps them unmovable. Uh, they don't just stand there placidly. Yes. If you stand there just placidly... You'll get knocked over. You'll get, yes, you're yes, going to get knocked over, exactly. Right. So they, you know, spread out their feet yes. and they have their center of gravity yes. and um, they're prepared. Yes. And they do that when they always go back to that. Mm. They always go back between each mm. little, you know, little things they do. Mm. They, they go back to this stance. Mm. And... It is because it's powerful. It is. uh, And I just think about that, you know, in relation to, you know, we need to be steadfast. Mm -hmm. We and and it's not something that accidentally happens. We need to with intentionality be standing and have that stable, firm and we're prepared. It's mm. not. It's intentional. It's not an accidental thing. Mm. I love. And we that. need to go back every yes. time. You know, you may get hit. Yes. You may get pushed. Mm. You may. You know, but you're going to recover, and you're going to go back, and you're going to mm. stand in that mm. stance, and yes. hold on to the truth to to take that stance. So if they hit me again, that's okay. I'm getting right back into that stance. I love that, and that's really the picture, isn't it? of Ephesians 6, where it says stand, and having done all, stand. Yes. Yes, that's all in the context Mm -hmm. of war and fighting. Mm -hmm. And when you are standing against the enemy, as you say, you can't just lean against the wall and stand. If you've (laughs) got to, as you say, they put their feet apart and they are using all their strength to stand, not just stand up, but to stand against to stand against mm-hmm. the onslaughts. Mm-hmm. And we all have onslaughts, don't we? Yes, mm-hmm. we're all going to have things that people say and challenges and difficulties and the onslaughts that come at us. But we've got to stand, stand. I think of uh, Ruth and Naomi. We all love that story, mm-hmm. don't we? And uh, when Naomi brought her daughter-in-law Ruth back, Uh, back to Israel, they were so poor and uh, Ruth had to just go out and try and get some food and so she just walked behind the gleaners who were gathering the harvest and and she just had to pick up the dregs, Mm -hmm. you know, what was left over, just what they'd leave to rot on the ground. But she went behind the gleaners and every day, every day, she went out in the hot burning sun and just picked up the gleanings to take back to her mother-in-law. She didn't complain, and she didn't get into a self-pretty trip. No, she did what was at hand to do, even to just survive. And she was faithful. And she can you imagine in the hot sun just this beautiful young woman just plodding after the harvesters, just plodding on every day. But God saw her. Mm-hmm. plodding on, being faithful. And what happened? How did she end up? She ended up marrying a mm-hmm. wealthy mm-hmm. landowner, Boaz himself, a prince in Israel. And she became the great-grandmother of King David and in the ancestry of Jesus, the Messiah, who is going to establish a kingdom that will... Uh, never die, an everlasting kingdom. What an amazing thing for a young woman who just kept 
plodding on and being faithful. We aren't meant to see the whole picture. No, we aren't we meant don't to see, see that. all this down no. the road. We're we're called to be obedient. Absolutely. And as we walk in the obedience, the mm. Lord directs it. He has the big picture. I know. We've got to talk about that later, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, I know you've got some stories about that. I, I love that story, too. And you've most probably read about it, uh, about um, how people were traveling in the desert of Saudi Arabia, and they came across uh, these bones. And, oh, well, they could realize someone has died here in the desert. But then they found a note. And uh, on this note, there was the words. It was somehow still they could still read it, even though it had been there for a long time. And it says, I can't go on. But the sad thing is that this, this traveler, he just felt he couldn't go in. So he had obviously built a little shelter and just waited to die. But just over the sand dune was an oasis. If he just kept plodding on that Mm -hmm. little bit more, Mm -hmm. there was the reward. Mm -hmm. And that's the wonderful thing. I'd love to give you 1 Corinthians. I mentioned it before. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 is a scripture you can take into the new year. It's not a New Year's resolution. It's just an encouragement to stand strong, be steady, be faithful, keep plodding on in what God has given you to do. Let's read it again. I love this scripture and have memorized it. And uh, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Your work will be rewarded, dear precious mother. It will be rewarded eternally. But even before you get to eternity, God promises rewards. I am so blessed to be in this glorious reward time. I can remember as a young mum, because Pam and I were talking about, we both had four children under four years of age, and oh my, they can be hair-raising times. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you think, oh my, what on earth am I doing? But now, I'm in this new time, and here I am, I have not only my children around me, who are my best friends in life, but my grandchildren and now great-grandchildren. And I just enjoy the glory of them all. And uh, you have that ahead too. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I was just thinking too about this plodding on business and how that can seem drudgery. But, dear mothers, we can make drudgery into delight. It's all in our attitude. We can, uh, we can just make the mundane into miracles. Yes, I mean, even every precious child that God has given us are miracles, every one of them. We can take the ordinary into the extraordinary. Or sometimes I like to say extraordinary. 
Because in God, why do we have to be ordinary? I often think to myself, now, Nancy, you dare not be just ordinary. How can we? Because if we are born again and we have Christ dwelling within us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ who is filled with love and joy, not just that, but the fullness of joy, the fullness of long-suffering, the fullness of rest, the fullness of victory, because he is the fullness of everything, and he dwells within us. How can I be a normal, ordinary person? I mean, I'm either just being walking in the flesh or I'm allowing Christ to walk with me in my home doing the most mundane, boring things. But they're no longer mundane or boring. When Christ is with you, they can become miracles and we can change our grumbling to glory. Mm -hmm. Can you really? Yes, to glory. Oh my, did you know... And we better finish with this and then you can say something too um, because our time is going. But in Hosea, uh, God speaks about motherhood being a glory. In fact, it itemizes it uh, into sections. And it's in a passage where God is actually bringing judgment to Ephraim because of their sin. So he says to them, I'm going to take away your glory. Check it out in Hosea 9 verse 11. And then he tells them what that glory is. He said, there will be no more conception, no more pregnancy, no more birth. That is the glory of the nation. It's the glory God wants to see and what he looks for. Now, sometimes we think pregnancy will help. Oh, I can hardly walk around and, and I've just got all these things that sort of happen to me when I'm pregnant. Well, the Bible calls it a glory. We either see it how God sees it or we see it how we see it. And then birth and, and this little baby. Oh, yes, the sleepless nights and work. And, but it's glory. Let's see things how God sees them. And so when we're changing diapers and nursing babies and cleaning the house and scrubbing the floors and going through all the discomforts of pregnancy and the labor of childbirth, it's all glory. Well, may not feel like that, but we've got to see the bigger picture. What do you say, Pam? Well, I was thinking just a little back here, you said something, made me think um, just something that spoke to me so much when I was in the such busy years and I really felt overwhelmed. And, you know, you you have people that say, oh, no, you've had another child or, oh, what are you, why are you doing this to yourself? And, oh, you, you, I'm overwhelmed for you. And... These kind of things, and, and we hear it so commonly. And um, I remember there was a song that came out on the radio about that time, The Voice of Truth. I think it was Casting Crowns. The Voice of Truth tells me a different story. And all of these voices are calling out to me, but I hear, I'm going to hear the voice. I'm going to listen and believe the voice of mm. truth. I love that. And that was like my anthem for years. Mm. And, and I, I, every time it came on the radio, it just encouraged me so much. And then uh, I just 
think that now is just we need to learn to sort out those voices so that we're not overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. so, um, and by by listening to the Lord and remembering that He truly is the voice of truth, that is what gives us the strength to continue and the strength to continue joyfully mm. as well. Amen. Well, let me finish uh, with this little creed. It's a mother's creed that I wrote. And uh, I think that it will encourage you as you go into the new year to stand strong, stand steady, stand faithful to your calling. Here it goes. I am not languishing. I am not deceived. I have a vision. I know who I am and who God created me to be. I know my purpose. I am walking in the perfect will of God. I know it's not easy, but I've counted the cost. My goal is set. How could my career be easy when I am influencing a nation for God, generations to come, and eternity? How can it be easy when I am destroying the plans of the devil? Such is the power of my God-mandated career, the highest calling ever given to women, motherhood. I have embraced my calling. I am not intimidated by my antagonists. I will not be moved. My heart is fixed. I may be hidden in my home, but look out, world. I am sharpening my arrows. I am getting them ready to shoot forth and destroy the adversary. In the power and anointing of God, I am advancing God's kingdom. Dear Father, we thank you for this new year that's ahead of us. And I bring before you every mother, grandmother, and daughter listening today. I pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and you will encourage them in their souls, that you will strengthen them in their souls, that you will give them courage. Lord, as we face a new year unknown and we don't know what lies ahead, we thank you that you are with us. And I pray that you will make each one so strong, not in themselves, but strong in you, in trusting you, knowing, oh God, that we cannot do anything of ourselves, but with you all things are possible. Bless them and encourage them and pour out your blessing on their whole families, husbands and on them and each one of their precious children. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.